We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to up-level that sexy life of yours with expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. So I announced yesterday on Instagram that I am back on the dating scene. (laughs) And I was super inspired, convinced, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, by one of my friends to start bumbling. And last time that I bumbled... It lasted two days because I kept getting so nervous that people weren't putting in effort to keep the conversations. Now I get that two days really isn't that long and really isn't giving them a chance. I was probably just creating some rationale of why I need to get out, out of it fast. And I just literally, I turned into an awkward turtle. So that's why I quit to protect myself and stay in the comfort zone of not online dating. But this time I am putting a message out into the universe that I am available and I'm opening all the doors to potential ways that love can find me. Now that doesn't mean that you can send me a dick pic through Instagram. Please don't do that. It's not going to work for me, but I've tried. It doesn't work. It <laughs> doesn't work with cat. It doesn't work for me. And in the spirit of all of this, I've got one of my best friends here, Adam Roa, who you just heard his angelic voice here. (laughs) And (laughs) I haven't, I haven't sent a dick pic. You haven't said that yet. In case people don't know. Now he's inspired. He's like, oh, new idea, new idea. (laughs) And he's an incredible human. He is a brilliant coach. And he's here to talk to us about relationships. And he is literally who I call when I'm an absolute puddle of cat in tears and emotional mush. And I, I think vice versa. Although I don't know that I've ever actually seen you in a mush Or I'd like to think that this is reciprocal. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, most, I feel like if anyone's watched my YouTube show, The Art of Choosing Love, they've seen me in a mush. So I'm pretty public with my mushiness, um, but you are someone, um, I just value uh, you and your, your, like your wisdom, your intellect, your heart, uh, and your experience just so much that you bring. And, um, when I really feel like I need a feminine uh, perspective on what the hell is happening in, in my (laughs) world, in my life, um, you're someone that I top of the list to, to call up. And so to be able to know that I'm that I'm one of those people for you as well. It, it yeah. feels really, really good. And um, yeah. because I know how selective you are. So thank yeah. you for that. You're compliment. my mush support for sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God. And so before we dive in, I definitely want to make sure to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you for your reviews on, on iTunes, especially those little love notes. Those are really nice and they really warm my heart. So if you haven't done one yet, go over there and write one for me. <laughs> and thank you for sharing this on your social medias with big, bold letters saying, how does she know my heart? Because, well, boo, this is what I aim to do to answer all of these exact questions that are on my heart as well, because we're all in this together. We're all trying to figure out this fucking thing called love and sex and 
nutrition <laughs> together. Life, life. And my goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex so much better. So if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show and get my free guides on sex and love. Now, to this incredible human in front of me, I'm so stoked to have on the show, Adam Roa. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I feel yeah. like this is the time I was supposed to start talking and I've just interrupted the, the, <laughs> the whole beginning. Such a beginning. dick. Like, ah, we'll talk um, about that relationship pattern. <laughs> I know. What does that mean? Um, <laughs> pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Look at me, um, look at me, look at me. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on here. This is, I think, the second time I've been on here. I've been on Yes, here, what, you what, were before? on we, here. We've just done, We this is our third interview, but we this is our second actual published one because remember the first one we did didn't save or something? The yeah. audio was messed up, yeah. Yes, that one messed up and we got into some juicy topics there, especially around this, you know, like text conversation that you took as a, I don't know if you took that as a, as a dating invitation or sexual invitation. I'm Do not we want sure. to dig this back up? Cause I feel like <laughs> there's, there's parts of it that have remained unsaid that I'm just like, wait a second, wait a second. Um, yeah, that is, there's people can go in and see it, uh, sexting or texting on my YouTube. There's a video and the funny behind the scenes is you'll know that it was cat that had texted me and you could Perfect. watch the whole spiral that I went into as someone who had been single for like 48 hours when I got that text. And yeah. it was just like, I don't know what to do. I have that tendency to make people spiral. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's we... because you're in a perpetual spiral, Kat. I don't even know how to take that out. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all upward spiraling everywhere? So I feel like we're already warmed up. And usually I like to warm up. I do a little foreplay with my with my guests here just to like get them into, into the groove of the podcast. But I feel like we're already there. And I still want to ask you this foreplay question. Please do. Okay. I love foreplay. <laughs> what would you tell your younger self that you would feel to, that would help them around sex or love? I would tell my younger self that it's everything that you're feeling is valid. I feel mm. as if when I was younger, um, anything that I was feeling and I'm not well, younger as in like yesterday <laughs> when I, everything that I was feeling um, that wasn't matching up with what I thought I should feel as, as a man or mm. um, as a boyfriend or whatever it was, um, anything that I was feeling that didn't line up with that, I thought was wrong. I, I made, I made that out to be a story about myself and all the ways in which I was not man enough, or, um, I was not good enough, or there was something wrong with me. And had I known back then that what I had been feeling at that time and, and currently what I feel today is totally valid and I can choose to work on it and take it as feedback in order to shift what's what's going on internally. But um, I don't need to have the judgment and say, this is wrong to feel this thing the way mm. that I did for so many years. Yeah, I think that's really important because how often we can doubt ourselves and what's what's coming up for ourselves and or learn these strategies of disconnecting or um, rationalizing, over-rationalizing for, you know, what it is that we're feeling instead of just allowing ourselves, allowing the reality to just be there. It makes mm -hmm. sense given everything that we've experienced in our lives and, and why we have this feeling that we're having. 
Yeah, and I and I've also noticed in myself just how much time in my life I've spent not present. Mm. And and in large part because of my resistance to what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And that when we resist what we are actually feeling in the moment, we're either um, judging all of our past that has led to those feelings, right? It's like, oh, I'm this, I'm that, and telling these stories based on, on the past that led to this moment. Or we're projecting out into the future of being like, I really don't want to be feeling this. And we're spending our, our energy projecting into what we wish it would be. And um, I spent so much of that time. And at the end of the day, all we have is the present moment. All, all we really have is the present moment. And as you speak to a lot, being in the present moment is the key to unlock everything. Being present with what's going on in our bodies, listening mm-hmm. to our bodies, what's happening right now. Yeah. Like, what is that right now? And, and be in integrity of honoring that. And so, um, I'm more committed than ever and continue to continually lean into like, what am I feeling right now? Okay, that's true. How do I want to respond to that right now? Mm. Um, as opposed to all of the judgment. Yeah, as in, okay, so here's a question that I've been contemplating personally for myself, because I'm also really good at staying present to what's in front of me, you know, and not entertaining all these fantasies about what could be or what will be down the line. And somebody pointed out to me, it was, it was um, somebody I dated one time, they're like, well, how do you, if you're so present with what's in front of you, then how do you know if this, you know, what we're doing is something that you want in the future? You know, so how do we find the balance between entertaining the idea of, of a future together or something to pro- progress with and also being so present in the moment with what's in front of you? I personally find um, how does the idea of a future feel for me right now? Mm. <laughs> like, because uh, I've just started a new relationship. And one of the things is she is a successful musician who goes on tour around the world. And I'm someone who tours and travels around the world as well. And so I have uh, initially one of my resistances and something that I've called you up about and talked to you about <laughs> is like the idea that like, why am I going to put all this energy into a relationship that inevitably is going to wind up being this long distance thing that I, I don't want a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. But um, that was this logical part of my brain that was trying to forecast what it was going to look like and what was going to happen. And in reality, when I think of a future with her, it feels good. Not with mm-hmm. like the little details of what I think that future would look like, but just mm-hmm. the idea of, of being together and, and cr- having a future with this person right now in my body, when I think about it, it feels good. Mm-hmm. And that was ultimately the decision um, around making it like an official boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing was um, I had one of the actual Create Premium facilitators, um, uh, Jared Grantham, we were on a phone call and he was just asking, what does your nervous system feel? The idea of mm-hmm. holding her at a distance and being like, I don't want to do like the boyfriend, girlfriend thing and, and whatever. Like, how does that feel in your system versus how does it feel in your system to just say, I'm in this, I'm in this. And the truth was that saying I'm in this relaxed me. Like mm-hmm. my nervous, my nervous system calmed it, it there was a, a distinct difference in feeling because the idea of holding her at a distance created a 
like there was an anxiety to that. And so both of those are, are, looking at like what the future may hold to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's the present moment of how those make me feel that I use to navigate. I love that distinction. And because it's almost like when you are in the question of it, you know, whether we move forward or whether we move not the ambiguity of that space causes that reaction in your body. I did a podcast two episodes ago with Trevor Bohm, and we talked about being in relationship ambiguity and staying in that question and how that can impact our nervous system and send us into more of a fight or flight mode response, you know, for longer. So go, go and check out that episode. If you're curious more about the ambiguity of the process. I do have a question for you around that. Yeah. As someone who has spent so much time in ambiguity, ambiguity. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, t- it depends on on your definition of it, I suppose, because like being in open relating mm. to me feels like there's a lot more ambiguity, uh, or at least a lot more potential for like areas of ambiguity where one person might think one thing, one person might not, as opposed sure. to very clearly defined, whatever. So. Um, if the if what you just said is like that relationship ambiguity can can be the one of the biggest stressors in the kind of the dating scene, um, how did did you find that to be true for yourself, or did you find that you navigated it in ways that with your level of communication and stuff that the ambiguity stress wasn't a part a factor? Are we talking about when I am in open relating or when I'm more in lovership? What do you mean? Um, I mean, open, open relating uh, would Uh be probably the the starting point. I think that in dating in general, there's always this period of ambiguity as you like, you know what I mean? You don't know how, like, I think there is that, that ambiguity as you're finding your way. It's like a snow globe has been shaken up and you're kind of waiting for things to to settle a bit. Um, but in open relating specifically, I'd be curious if it comes with more ambiguity or if you found that you were able to, to get it to feel as solid as a, a monogamous container. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's hard to compare because everybody, you know, and even in monogamous relationships, there's, or the intention of monogamy, there's still that ambiguity and there can still be that, that layer of um, nervous system activation underneath because, you know, it doesn't matter what style of relationship we're in. Some of our childhood wounds will be activated or can be, you know, triggered in, in another specific person or when, like you're saying, the progression of the relationship when we don't know where it's at or um, where the other person is at with us, it, it can still activate that potential of somebody leaving or not wanting us or not feeling enough or whatever it is that we're holding inside. Um, I think for me, when I am engaging with somebody and it is a defined lovership, it's a lot easier for me to relax into because it's like, okay, here's, here's the expectation of this. I move into relationships having these clear conversations at the beginning of where I'm at, what I'm looking for, um, what, what I desire. And then even in those relationships where it's, there's an interest in somebody and there's an interest in somebody more than a lovership, I'll express that. I'm really interested in getting to know you, like really diving in and, and discovering who you are and seeing if a partnership can work. I'm very clear about that from the beginning. And I've definitely had experiences where people were like, no, you weren't clear about that. And I was like, mm, no, I know how good of a communicator I am. <laughs> so I know that that was said. So then I just chalk that up to um, um, selective memory. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But yeah, so I think having these conversations from the beginning, um, I've even had this uh, conversation with somebody where I was leading with the identity of non-monogamous, which I have since recognized that leading with that label was also putting me in a box as much as I was thinking that it was freeing me to be able to create whatever style of relationship with whatever alchemy of me and this other person. I realized that when I would share that with somebody, they would create in their mind a schema of what that meant to them. And it didn't really matter how clear I communicated that. They still oftentimes held this image of what that meant. So that can also, so I've recognized that that creates, can create a distance or can create some expectations around what's transpiring. And, and then we may not be on the same page there. So that create might create some ambiguity around there as well. So now I just lead with, um, I'm a really awesome human. Get curious <laughs> and figure out who I am. <laughs> Ask me questions. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been interesting for me. It's been very interesting for me to, so let me say this. I have discovered so many parts of myself, uh, that have been deeply, deeply wounded, um, mm. from my last couple years of relationship and, and specifically two different breakups that I actually considered to be kind of three different breakups. One was, mm. was a breakup. Then there was another breakup with a different woman. And then there was like an ending of a friendship with the original person breakup. Yeah. Um, and, oh. and so, and so oh. it's kind of like, three breakups in a way. And, um, as I went through that, it's funny because I can't, I wasn't able to see these parts of myself that are coming up now until there was someone now where it's like, Oh, do I open up to this person? Do I, am I ready for a relationship? Mm -hmm. And seeing how much, I can rationalize, and I imagine you're like this as well, because because you're brilliant. Which is um, knowing so much about the human condition, knowing so much about wounding patterns, knowing so much about these various things, allowed me, me to actually kind of reverse engineer in the other direction, which was to rationalize why I wanted to not be boyfriend girlfriend to rationalize why it was okay to keep someone at a particular distant distance to rationalize these things and then as the emotion began to process as certain things came up for me to go oh wow i i've been doing that from a space of fear and wounding mm. and yet while in it thinking that that i was doing it from a from a different space and so i don't know do you do you I'd love to hear your reflection on that because I sometimes wonder um, if, yeah, it could be fear and wounding, but it's really just the lens. <laughs> like, because the action itself of keeping someone at a particular distance or not can come from fear or it can come from, from a really authentic, integrated whole space. Um, mm-hmm. Discernment. The discernment is really yeah. just the lens that, that we have on it. And um, I'm curious how you navigate you adjusting your lens. Cause you've just shifted now to not lead with non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big lens adjustment, but that's that didn't have to happen. That's a choice that it seems like you're making. 
Yeah, well, and and part of that for me is recognizing um, there had been a an internal belief that I operated from for a long time of um, not being enough. And given my upbringing, where bless my parents, they're amazing, and um, just as a result of some of the the life experiences that I had, I had this feeling where I had to show up and be good. I had to be as good as I could in order to be met or wanted or received. And um, again, no fault to anybody. This is just what my nervous system designed, (laughs) picked up in in the environment and decided that in, in order to protect myself, I have to be as good as I can. I have to put in a lot of effort in order to be received. And, um, so I had noticed that I put so much energy and effort into evolving myself and, and learning new things and, and trying everything possible that I can, like, and it's created such a complex, beautiful human that I love myself to be. And I found that at the beginning of, um, these relationships I would lead with, this is what I do. This is what I know. This is how competent I am. This is, you know, and that doesn't necessarily allow for the humanness to shine through of, you know, I am a human who's also figuring the fuck out, (laughs) all this shit out, you know? And so, um, in, I've received reflections from past partners of like, they felt like they couldn't teach me anything, or they felt like they couldn't, um, you know, I wasn't soft enough or I wasn't this enough or whatever, which then fuels that internal belief that I'm not doing enough. (laughs) So now it's more of a, an undoing. So doing less and just leading with the, the very real truth that I feel really connected with of I am fucking awesome. And I really don't have to do or prove anything to be that. And, it, and my nervous system is calm around that now. And I've also done extensive work on really in just uh, regulating my nervous system because as a result of past experiences, it had become disconnected between my mind and my body. So my nervous system was just like, and I would just kind of disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. So now it's, it's, I have a lot more, um, yeah, connection to it to regulate myself. The thing that has been interesting for me as, as someone who experienced sexual abuse when I was younger, and it was a repressed memory that, that, Mm -hmm. uh, didn't come back for, more than two decades, mm-hmm. um, I realized once the, the memory came back and I began to work on like the PTSD around it and different things, only then did I realize how much my nervous system was in a state of fight or flight. Yeah. Like only Same. then could I feel the agitation in my nervous system um, as I began to like work with a therapist who would do... Um, you would probably know the actual term for it, where she would literally in our first session, she's like, is it okay if I just, if I sit next to you and I put my foot on top of your foot mm-hmm. while we talk? And and she basically just allowed her nervous system to co, for my nervous system to co-regulate with her nervous system. Mm-hmm. And and just like having an experience that that just getting to feel a level of calm and safety Um, and, and to feel someone who didn't need something for me. And at the time I, I felt like I was in a relationship where, where someone just, she just wanted everything from me, like, and, and I couldn't meet that. Um, the, the experience of that gave me a, a reference point to go, wow, 
like, this is not how I normally feel. Yeah. (laughs) And that, that let me see just how much room there was for me to settle. And I consistently now will think about, I wonder if the same thing's happening right now. Like, I, I wonder if right now there, my system is in a state of, of fight, flight, or freeze to some degree that mm-hmm. I'm not even aware of because I don't have the reference of what it would be like if I let my entire business just like stop. And that wasn't like, I just had complete spaciousness for the next six months on my calendar and what that might feel like. Um, I'm not... I'm not sure. I'm, I, I, it's a question that I sit in all, a lot these days is, um, and that, and that's the part of me speaking to kind of this part that can create stories mm-hmm. and, and any of them can kind of be true is, mm-hmm. is like, I could tell myself that I have a fight or flight that I can't see right now. And I, I need to search that out. Or I could tell myself, no, you're in a, a better space than you've ever been. And, and your nervous system is, um, and it's probably somewhere in the middle, honestly, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the truth always lies somewhere in the middle, but um, it's been, it's been fascinating. And I guess to, to make this valuable for people listening in, in some way is like, I think that putting myself in positions to experience new levels of safety yeah. Is something that I am actively seeking out. Like it's, mm. it's, and that's why I've made even more of a uh, effort to like connect with people like you and, and my friends and just like, let's just get on a FaceTime and, and catch back up. And I noticed that, um, in those experiences and afterwards, I feel different than I did before. Yeah. And wanting to incorporate those experiences of safety and, and love into my life more and more for a reference point. Mm, I love that so much. Do you have, do you have any, uh, red plump flags that you personally have to look out for when you're in your relating journey that you've discovered? How many, how much time do we have? (laughs) 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 Like red flags about what specifically? I feel like I have a lot of red flags on various different things that I see. So we have a tendency to fall into the same patterns, you know, given whatever our attachment systems that were, um, you know, set up for us from early childhood. And so I think as we learn, as we learn more about ourselves and as we gain more sovereignty of our nervous system and our, you know, physiological reactions and, and um, um, you know, behaviors and observance of those behaviors, um, but I wonder if there are some things that you find yourself falling into over and over again. Earlier, you mentioned about the relationship where you felt the the need of the other person. Yeah. So um, just from a, from a more macro level, what I realized um, as I, it's funny, I recorded a podcast. So I have a podcast called the deep dive with Adam Roa and, and, and there's, you are, you have been on it and you're going to be on it again. Hopefully, <laughs> yes. hopefully I hope. And um, the, there was, my crazy first date or something like that. That's like the name of the podcast. I can't remember, but um, there is this thing that came up around money um, and, and a parking ticket and this whole thing on this like date that wasn't even really a date. And it was such an intense experience. And I, I asked the question, what, what is it that is calling this experience into my life of women where I'm needing to be like a scene as like a financial provider in, in this way. And there's all uh-huh. this like attachment around that. And what I realized was uh, through the excavation of that was that I had not felt man enough 
in so many ways growing up because I was uh, late to the puberty game and I was small and Asian and all of these things. And um, I assigned my ability to provide financially as being um, a measure of my masculinity. Mm. And so I had been calling in women that needed me to be that so that I could feel more masculine and more powerful. Mm. Identifying that allowed me to work on that and detach my worth from my financial situation. Mm -hmm. And now I've been able to call in a relationship where I don't need to be that at all. Um, And, and, uh, it feels so good. And so like, that's like a, a macro example of patterns that I've broken that I feel like are like bigger patterns of my own self-worth and stuff, but how they show up in relationship now are in these little kind of insidious ways of, um, for example, I have noticed, um, like a big red flag for me is when, when I feel less than when I feel it's not even less than when I feel like there's nothing I could do. Like mm-hmm. when I can't help, when I can't whatever. And when I feel like it's, it's, I'm, it's out of my control and mm-hmm. I can feel my system like not like that. Um, I can hear a voice in my head that wants to say almost like a gaslighting kind of thing, right? Like wants to say something to plant the seed of, of, of like how, to, to try and make myself seem more valuable or to, to, yeah. um, to make it seem like they've done something, she's done something wrong mm. in order, in order, like something like that. And I catch it. And it's funny because I'm catching it now, but that means that I didn't catch it before. Like there's, there, there have been years and years and years of relationship where I have done that pattern mm-hmm. and not caught it. Yeah. And so that's an example of something that I'm catching right now. Mm-hmm. And those are, when I talk about being in a relationship for like two months now, like those are the pieces where I'm getting an opportunity to see these aspects of myself and face off with these things that I don't like. Yeah. I don't, I don't like them. <gasps> I, I, don't, I don't like them. <laughs> and um, the truth is that we, in, in my experience, we don't have, we won't change those behavior patterns until we um, have the opportunity to choose something different in a familiar pattern. Yeah. So getting back into relationship, it's okay that my brain wants to um, make her feel bad for something that's not really her fault yeah. in order to make it, to make whatever happened in my brain as I'm rationalizing it. The thing is, now that I have awareness, I have choice. Am I going to choose to do it? Or am I going to sit there and go, why do you want to do this right now? Like, Mm -hmm. why is that coming up? And start to notice those patterns. Can I notice the times where um, I'm feeling really, really low and uh, desiring to just call up my partner and, and, and have them come over so that I can feel less? Or can I realize that that's an old pattern of codependency that I'm choosing to break and therefore in those moments go, this is the time where you say, hey, I'm having a really tough day. Love you. I'm going to take the rest of the day to show up for myself here. And I, I just need, I need the space, which is a different pattern. And I'll go into over analysis of like, am I now actually not allowing myself to receive love? And then it's just like, for, but at the end of the day, um, I'm swinging the pendulum onto the other side of the spectrum so that I can do things that I haven't done. So I can find the balance that feels true mm. for me. 
Yeah, re- reprogramming some of those hardwired strategies that we use in order to protect ourselves. So like, it's almost like you're expanding your toolbox and helping you to see, yes, you could still use that same strategy and there's other ways to do it too. So what I'm hearing you say is you're practicing more of um, identifying your need, whatever the authentic need is, and then communicating that authentic need which so many people struggle with, even recognizing the first part, that they have a need or that what is the need? Mm. The, part, the, the hard part is that often the, the discovery of these things is based on what feels uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's based on the part of us that goes, this doesn't feel good. And mm. when something doesn't feel good like that, the brain just like is searching for a way to end that discomfort. Right. Right. And that's why it's, it's so easy for people to go into, let me just get on social media and do the dopamine hits of likes and comments. Let me um, just go into the the cupboard and get some sugar or processed, Mm -hmm. whatever, like the, the ease that society has given us to numb out that discomfort is so readily available that it actually takes conscious effort to feel the discomfort and then go, okay, let me sit with this. Let me journal about this. Mm-hmm. Let me actually unpack this discomfort um, so I can understand it so that I can ultimately remove it from my system in the long run. But it's mm-hmm. going to require the unpacking and sitting in it um, for the time being. And I think that... Uh, f- that is something that you and I have done to almost a level of like a masochistic level of just like, <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable right now, just sit in this, I'm going to force myself. And, and <laughs> that's something that I respect about you. And it's something that for myself, I'm trying to find a balance that doesn't feel as heavy, yeah. you know? And I don't know that I found it yet. I was, mm. I was, um, this morning I was feeling heavy and, and then just like taking the time to, to go through my process to, to start to move some of that. Yeah. But um, I can't say that I've moved it all. I can't yeah. say like, I can still feel it and I don't know what it is. I just mm-hmm. had some really intense dreams and then like, oh, it, it's just, yeah. So, but, it, but it's just like this thing. And my previous self is like, lock yourself in your room and you sit in this and you just like be in this and you right. And now I'm like, what's the fun way of doing that? Yeah. Like what's the playful way of doing that? And and you're someone who's inspired me a lot with your playfulness and, and your love because I know that you don't shy away from the discomfort either. Yeah. Truth. <laughs> I lean the fuck in. <laughs> totally. And I have to recognize the pace of everybody else because everybody else's pace is not as not as willing to lean in, but I, you know, this brings up, um, in episode 80 of eat, play, sex, I talk about these strategies that we do and exactly what you're talking about in order to navigate the discomfort and regulate our own nervous system. And so it's, it's about this concept of, um, being in the window of tolerance. So being in the window of what we can tolerate so that our body can operate most effectively, our body and our brain. And when we hit the threshold of what we can tolerate, we either become hyper-aroused, hyper which is more of this higher emotional expression, angry outbursts, you know, that kind of thing, um, or hypo-arousal, which is um, shut down, freeze, 
So you've got fight, fight or flight or freeze. And ideally, and so all of these strategies, all these behaviors is us trying to maintain or be within that window of tolerance as best as we can. So if I think there's a compassion piece there. If we can recognize that this is what we're doing, then it's not so much shaming that we have these strategies or that we're doing them again and again and again, but it's more of like, okay, what are some other strategies that I can learn that aren't so masochistic, <laughs> aren't so like, you know, and that range expands, right? Right, Like yeah. the range expands. So what, what previously sent us into fight or flight doesn't have to send us in uh, to fight or flight the, forever. It's right. as, as we learn those, those tools and we start to navigate that, I think that um, one, just our knowing that we have tools that can help us when we're in that space, mm-hmm. that in and of itself is calming to the nervous system. Yeah. It's like, there's not a, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. There's a, okay, I know that a bath and stretching and, and journaling helps me when I'm feeling like this. And that in itself can be calming where most people that I've, I've worked with, coached, et cetera, have, have really, uh, if there's anything that separates people like a Dr. Kat Meyer from um, people who just seem to be stuck in the same patterns for years and years and years is the willingness to apply those tools when presented with the opportunity. Like mm. that's, that's the thing that there's ultimately, when we talk about free will, when we talk about choice, when we talk about all this, it will come down to a choice to say, I know that stretching or a bath or journaling helps when I'm feeling like this. Am I going to do it? Or am mm. I going to just say, no, I feel bad and I'm just going to sit here and feel bad. And like, and keep that's feeding fine. the emotion and with sad songs the- and sad poetry. <laughs> I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep listening to Adam Rowe's sad playlist. Um, that like that kind of thing is um, very much something that I think we all know. That, that, mm. that struggle, and it's like, like the two wolves that we have inside of us, which wolf do you feed? Like in those moments, I find that the happiest people on the planet, it's not that they never feel sad. It's that mm. in those moments, they choose to do the things that they know help them not feel um, that any, any longer. And it's not an avoidance. Mm. It's actually mm. an acceptance of how they're feeling and taking action to respond to that. Yeah. Oof. Snap, snap. That actually brings up another question that I have um, that I've been asked by many people. You know, when when do you fight for a relationship and when do you let go? You know, being in this, this space of like choosing willingness, that kind of thing. When you are like, Ugh, can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, I believe that a, a relate for me, my highest value in life is my own soul's evolution, like the own expansion, the own, my own, like as a human, as a soul, as a spiritual being in this human body, like growing, evolving, like living, feeling like that, that is to me, the, the point of life right now. Um, at least that's my current belief system. And so the moment that it feels like, um, the relationship is, is actually 
not the place for that. The moment it feels like there is more of that available outside the container than inside of it is when I personally feel like the relationship is no longer serving my own personal highest uh, alignment and, and purpose to life. And, and as someone who is in a 10 year relationship, that relationship was the most expansive place I could possibly be for for nine and a half years. And we got a lot of angry messages when we broke up because the, the breakup was quite public <laughs> in a lot of ways. We broke up basically on my podcast and released it to the world. And um, and and so um, what, I, what I felt during that time was, and what we both felt was like, it didn't have to be wrong. The relationship didn't have to be fighting and and hating each other and like, there was nothing inherently wrong. We got so many angry messages because people were like, how can you throw away love and all of this stuff? And you, you're supposed to work at it when you find someone that you love. And it's like, we did. We had to for nine and a half years. It's not like it's just all unicorns and butterflies to be together for nine and a half years. There was a lot of working through stuff. But what we both felt was like we had reached a point where our own evolution and our own growth was better served outside of the container. And that was the first time in nine and a half years that I had ever thought, that's not true, outside of the first three months, there was a little shaky three months in the beginning. Outside of those first three months, for nine plus years, I never once thought about breaking up. Literally, it was when we had an argument, it was, okay, how are we gonna work through this? But it was always a we working through it because we were gonna stay together. It was the first time. And in the inquiry of that, around that, we both just felt like there was more growth available to us and our highest value. Again, this is not for everyone, but this is for us. Our highest value is our growth and evolution. And so that's how I look at it. Um, I think that your highest growth and evolution can be in a monogamous relationship. It could be in multiple open relationships. It could be completely single. Um, but I will continue to value that above all else. And um, I guess that's my evaluation. I would be curious to hear yours. Yeah, I think there, what I'm hearing is there's this intention behind relationships is a container for growth. And I, that's what I always ask my clients, you know, when they're in that ambiguous question of um, what does relationship mean for you? What is it? How do you define it? And so from that space, we can identify whether this continues to be in alignment with, you know, is it in alignment with your values? I also have, have them look at, you know, is the person um, off the table-itis, you know, are they willing to work through these things or do they just keep taking the shit off the table so it doesn't get addressed? So I, you know, there's so many layers there, but um, for me, a relationship is an, is a container for growth. And that when it becomes no longer conducive for growth for me and the other person, then we would have that conversation of like, okay, so perhaps we're in two different, you know, moving in two different directions. And understanding um, that, you know, we okay. can't not grow, you yeah. right? Like everything is ever changing. We are growing, but um, where most people I think will, will stop is the safety of a relationship container becomes the highest value. Like it becomes, I feel secure. I feel safe in this. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go into the scary unknown of singledom. So I don't want to leave the relationship, even though there's an innate calling where they're like, I feel like I could grow more as a person outside of it. Yeah. And, um, and that's okay. You know, if, if safety and security is your highest value, then that, mm -hmm. that, that's great. You stay in the relationship. But, um, if, if, 
something else is the highest value. If, if expansion and growth is that thing and you feel that more is out there, if adventure and, um, whatever is, and in your relationship, your partner's like, yeah, I don't want to travel and I don't want to do this, but like your highest value is adventure in life. Then as the longer you stay in a relationship that isn't meeting your highest values, you're out of integrity with yourself. And I think that's the thing that, that, that really, um, eats away at me personally. And with a lot of clients that I've worked with when they're in a relationship that is no longer serving them, um, they don't realize that it's th that aspect of being out of integrity. That's the thing that's eating at them. That's making them judge themselves. That's making them hate what they're doing. That's making them not enjoy um, the chapter of their life and wear a lens that is um, detrimental in a lot of ways to what they want to see because deep down they feel out of integrity with their own self. They're not listening mm -hmm. to their heart or in their soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll add to that, like, it, you know, re healthy love is actually a sense of security and safety. It's where our nervous system is not in a consistent fight or flight or freeze response. And it's not to the expense of these values of yourself or things that you want to create for yourself. Mm. So I, I see that not as like mutually exclusive, but, but both and. Yeah. And I would, I would wonder, can you, can you have it? Can you have both? So meaning if you're out of integrity with yourself, if you're out of integrity with yourself, yeah. is the safe, like, is the safety and security actually there? Like in your own self? Um, I know for me, if I feel out of integrity, like there's no safety and security, like my nervous, like I'm, I'm a, a bit of a wreck if I mm -hmm. feel out of integrity. And if I feel out of integrity in, in my relationship with friends, if I feel whatever, if there's a part of me, that's like, what did I do? Um, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't give me the ability to, to calm my nervous system. Yeah. And so uh, on that, I would say that there are certain, uh, more attachment tendencies. Like when we look at the scale of attachment, you know, there's avoidant and there's, um, um, anxiety, and we fall along the spectrum of, of those things. It's not just one or the other, we're, we're along the spectrum. So for somebody who has a higher level of anxious attachment, they, have, they will tend to adopt the needs of the other person or take on the identity of the, whatever is, is more conducive for the other person. And put their own self to the side in order to maintain the safety and the security of the relationship. So I would say in that regards, yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I will work with them and they don't have that intrinsic desire to go out and explore in the world because in their nervous system, it is a lot more important for them to maintain the relationship, the attachment with this other person than it is to explore and develop themselves and like walk out into the world. And that's just, so that's just that particular person. And so that's, you are and that, not that's like that. healthy, right? <laughs> like that can be healthy. It can be healthy if the other person is not, um, taking advantage of that or isn't, you know, um, putting the other person down or um, making it all egocentric around themselves. You know, there, there are ways that it can be unhealthy, but if the person, the other person is consistently meeting the other person's needs as well, then that can be incredibly healthy. Mm -hmm. 
like somebody doesn't have to have go out into the world and explore and self-develop like that for you and I, that's a high, that's a very imperative value to have in a relationship and in myself and my life. So in that regards, my, you know, again, I would choose that over just staying in a relationship because it's a relationship and it, it meets my, you know, cuddle needs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough for me because I, didn't realize for how long I, so my biggest like karmic, dharmic, like wound and fear is Mm -hmm. that there's something wrong with me, like inherently something wrong with me that I can't see or spot. And when I, when there's an experience of like a relationship that ends abruptly or a friend who just doesn't want to be friends anymore or something, Mm -hmm. this, that wound gets triggered. And I go, this is that thing. This is that thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what I did. I don't know what it is. There's something inherently wrong with me. And so because of that, I've had a tendency to uh, create relationship dynamics where they, they needed me almost where I felt, uh, where I felt, at least I felt needed. I felt needed. Um, And that allowed me, so that financial dynamic is a great example of like, they, they, they kind of need me to be this provider Mm -hmm. and therefore they can't leave. They won't leave yeah. as long as they need. And yeah. um, so it's, it's, it's such an interesting ex- thing to also be juxtaposed with this value system that I have of like needing to go out and, and, and just get the reflection so that I can continue to develop myself while simultaneously having this thing. And um, the, I hope people can hear what, what I'm hoping to convey here is like, it's not, crystal clear. It's not mm-hmm. easy to spot. It's, it's a giant knotted web of so many thoughts, beliefs, past experiences, future desires, like all of these things knotted together. And it's slowly just piece by piece unveiling one layer after the other. And I'm learning how to do that more and more on my own. And, mm-hmm. um, that's, I, I blamed myself for a while of, of not being able to do that. And also recognizing that my entire adult life, I was in relationship. I was in relationship. So I just had someone. And so learning how to do that on my own has been new. And now finding the balance of being in relationship and not losing that part of me that's come online that can show up for myself is the, mm-hmm. the, the fine balance. And so anyone listening to this, I hope that you see that whatever it is that, that you're going through and whatever it is that you are currently exploring in your own life, um, please don't think that there is a, a right or a wrong or, or that it's mm-hmm. supposed to look mm-hmm. one way. It's, it's even for people like Kat and myself who've been in this work for a very long time, it's a navigation. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Here's some feedback. Let me adjust and, and let me right. adjust this. And we may go from saying, Oh, I'm, I don't want to be in a relationship to I'm in a relationship or mm-hmm. I am non-monogamous and now I'm monogamous or like whatever it is. Um, as we continue to unveil the different layers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're all humans trying to figure this out together be open and receptive, but also like also recognize that you don't have to accept whatever the reflections are that are coming in. So again, it's a balance, you know, I'm tuning in because I, I'm real, you know, cause we will get projections from people too. So it's just, just taking all of this and sitting and, and working with a therapist like myself or <laughs> a coach like Adam. <laughs> so on that note, um, as we're wrapping up, 
I just have a couple of questions from my listeners who, if you follow me on Instagram at sex, love yoga, I take followers questions and put them to my guest experts. So I have a couple here. If you have time in your busy schedule to answer. Absolutely. I, I love humans. it. And <laughs> I'm going to add one piece to this, which is find yeah. support, find support. <laughs> yes. Cause like yes. what, uh, Kat, what you just said about, you know, we, don't have to take on people's projections and, and different things. Like I have, you and I have had conversations where I'm like, you're saying you're projecting on me or I'm projecting on you, whatever. We have very open conversations where, where mm-hmm. we can have, have that and where we can call each other up and say, can you give me a reflection on like what mm-hmm. just happened in my relationship and tell me mm-hmm. if this is, am I, is it, is it me? Something I'm not seeing. And Um, I cannot, you can't see the label from inside the bottle. So for every single person listening here, if you do not have a community or a select few friends that you really respect or trust, you get to find that. It is absolutely critical. It is why um, I I founded the Create Community, which Kat is is one of our epic facilitators in Create Mm -hmm. Premium, where we're we're teaching um, so much stuff every single week. um, Because the community aspect, I don't think is talked to enough. I don't think it's spoken about enough of how valuable I I love having you in my life for that reason. Mm -hmm. And for anyone, if you don't have that, please, I encourage you, you can go to thecreatecommunity.com if you want to be a part of the one that Kat and I are, are facilitating Mm -hmm. in or develop it somewhere. But it is, it is crucial in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree. And especially on that note of create premium, like we have these very intimate groups where um, I teach in body exploration. So we can dive in about sex and um, people come in and they share their vulnerable experiences around it. And then we all get to jam around it. And then people are raising their hand and I'm like, fuck yeah, me too. You know? And so it's like, you know, everybody gets to see themselves in one another and grow. It's amazing. So, okay. These questions. Question number one, I still think about my ex from one year ago, most days, and I don't know how to let it go. Help. Yeah. Stop trying to let it go. (laughs) Stop trying to let it go. That would be my, my biggest advice is, is the idea that like I'm trying to let it go creates a resistance Mm -hmm. and that resistance is actually what holds it in place. And, and so, uh, as hard as that seems, it's, it's, as to this day, I, my breakup with, with the woman from that I was with for nine and a half years, she was literally in my dreams, like a stressful dream last night, um, that I alluded to in this podcast. And I went, I woke up going, why, why, why is that? So, but there's like a, a connection there and I'm not trying to let it go. I'm, I'm doing the process of, loving myself as my body and my mind and and all of it does what it does to heal and return to wholeness. And as long as I can continue to show up for myself each and every day, do my morning practices, do my evening routines, um, don't avoid the discomfort, have these kind of conversations, call up my friends when I need support, whatever it is, as long as I continue on that, I am going to trust the divine timing of when my my consciousness is fully ready to release whatever it is that I'm holding on to, whether it's a breakup, Mm -hmm. whether it's... um, past childhood wounding, whether whatever it is, my body will release it when it's ready to release it. And what I get to do is just trust that if I show up for myself each and every day, that is all my job is to do. 
Yeah. Oof. I love that. And on that note, if you need a little bit of help from me, check out my online course, dropping the hooks of past love of past lovers and to be able to help you to move through and gain all the gold that you need from that. Hmm. Okay. Second question. And last one, I feel stuck in this relationship. That's just back and forth triggering each other, but we are so in love and, and I know we can make it work. How do I get him to change? Oof. Ooh, there's both of us just went. <laughs> <I know. laughs> we both, one. both of us, yeah, both of us, right there. Um, yeah, <laughs> you you can't get someone to change. You mm-hmm. can't you can't get someone to change. And and honestly, if you're entering into a relationship with the idea they will someday change, it, mm-hmm. the the. I'm not going to say this as an empirical, but I'm going to say it pretty abs- pretty firmly, which is like the relationship is being built on a foundation that uh, that is doomed. Like like there is a there is a dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. like if you are entering into a relationship based on the premise that they will change, that you will save yeah. them, that they will come around to see your viewpoint, that is not in my opinion that is not a healthy dynamic to be creating a relationship from um oftentimes we get into those dynamics because of our own crap like our own savior complex our own mommy daddy issues that are being projected into the relationship like our own stuff that we are now using the relationship to try and unconsciously or consciously um feel better and placate yeah these parts of ourselves and so um i would say that your first part of that question of like how much you know that you're meant to be together and how perfect you are for each other and like all of that stuff is actually unfounded that's the part of you that's hoping for that if the second part of your question gets resolved which basically i'm going to say this in a different way for you is if my partner was a different person we'd be perfect (laughs) (laughs) And so just to reflect that to you, that's what, how your question lands for me. If my partner was a different person, we'd be perfect for each other. And, and when you hear the kind of ridiculousness of that, um, I think you can, that's an extreme way of just, I want to give you that extreme so that you can hear as someone who's been in this work a long time, how I'm receiving that question and hopefully let you see that there is an aspect of truth to that reflection for you in the question itself and the way that you're seeing that relationship. Yeah. Beautifully put. Yeah. All right. This was amazing. Super enlightening. I feel smarter already. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show with me and how can people find more about you? I know you've got some songs that are being released soon. You've got a lot of, a lot of business going on. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of things. Um, Adamroa.com is the website. Adam.roa, R-O-A, on Instagram, Facebook. I got that. And I have a YouTube channel. If you type in my name and I have a a show, I know that a lot of this has focused on relationships. And um, one of the biggest things for me is I'm starting to release music. And so if you go to Spotify and you type in my name, you're going to find my first single that I've released. It's called Voices. And it is literally about the voices in my head as I sat in a bed, unable to sleep. And asking the question, do I forgive this person? Mm. Do I forgive this person? Is that true love? Or is it time for me to own my boundaries around honesty after being lied to again? And 
choosing love is not an empirical thing. There's not a right or wrong to it. It is, it is relative to our own truths. And sometimes that's really hard and difficult. And I'm, I'm going to be releasing more and more music uh, around the topic of relationships and what I went through during the breakups and stuff. And so um, I would love and encourage everybody. You can find my podcast, The Deep Dive with Adam Roa, where I'm going to be diving into the music and these, these concepts and really a lot about relationships over the next coming months. Yeah. Amazing. And I highly recommend it. He's a badass human. Get inspired by Adam Roa. Thank you so much for coming on, babe. Thank you so much. It's 1.11 PM right now. So perfect, mm. perfect time. It's 11.11 here. Yeah. Kat, um, <laughs> I love you so much. I um, I'm I'm just love having you in my life. Thank you for being a part of the create community.com with me. And, and it, it's allowed us to like create together as well as be epic friends. And, um, mm-hmm. by the time this comes out, I'm not sure exactly. It's, it's almost your birthday. So happy birthday. I love you. <laughs> Yay. My birthday all month. All, all right. <laughs> See you next time. Lovers on eat play sex. Here on Eat, Play, Sex, we dive into everything related to sex, love, and nutrition. And if you're wanting to dive in deeper with your wellness routine, then I highly recommend checking out the podcast, Wellness Realist Podcast with Christina Rice. She talks everything about nutrition, fitness, relationships, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and everything in between. So check it out. New episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time. Keep it sexy.